Hello and welcome back to Spare Thoughts, the podcast with lively discussion, vigorous debate and the big questions you can't ignore. I'm your host Jay Saha and I'll be your guide as we navigate the ins and the outs of some of the biggest issues today. Joining me today we have Tom Norman, Abby Sundaram, Joe Towner and Josh Jenner. But before we get into the main discussion, a quick disclaimer. Please note that any views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of myself, the production team, or Hampton School. Cool. Well, today we're going to think big picture, looking at future population growth. Despite COVID, the world's population, especially in poorer regions of the world, continues to grow at a rapid rate. And I think it's important now that we take a real look about what all this population growth means for the future of society. So with this in mind, first of all, I want to know, do you guys think future population growth will pose an issue to society if uncontrolled? Hi Jay, thanks for having me. Uh, I think if uncontrolled, there's definitely a possibility that, you know, there will be bad environmental, particularly consequences of population growth, if it's exponential, certainly. I think what you can do, however, is instead of trying to limit population growth, if you limit potentially access to resources and the availability of things like you know electricity that we might take for granted as having all the time at our fingertips, you might be able to make some more morally justified measures of reducing the extent to which these um, you know, resources are possibly abused, mainly in developed countries, would be my preliminary thought. Yeah, I think um, it's better to sort of shift the blame from the population size to consumption instead. Um, there's 7 billion people on the planet and um, it's measured at 925 million uh, people who are currently starving. And every year we waste 1.3 billion tonnes of food, um, which is enough to feed 3 billion for that year. So um, if we change our consumption patterns and habits, I think it will be a more sort of sustainable option um, to deal with the, the issue of the lack of resources. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with that in that the, uh, the amount that we consume is perhaps more of an issue than the population, despite the two being uh, interlinked heavily. Although there are projections that the, the human population on Earth will, um, will start to level out uh, after 10.9 billion uh, in 2100. And for example, in terms of growth, we're already starting to see some rapid uh, um, decrease in the amount that the population is growing each year. So in 1965 it was growing the rate of 2.1% per year, but in 2019 that was down all the way to 1.08% uh, and that might be because of some of the, the, the measures put in place by governments like the Chinese um, that capped the amount of children you can have at one, although uh, it may not be that much of an issue and it may um, sort itself out. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking on the lines of Tom, which is why I'm not entirely sure whether it's a problem or not. Um, for instance, I've read some things where people are saying that because of uh, as countries become more developed, fertility rates will fall. So the kind of rapid um, population growth that we're used to seeing, we, we might not um, see that in the next 50 or 100 years. So maybe it's a problem now, but um, in the future it won't be. Yeah, that's all very valid, but I think instead of just considering birth rates, it's important to consider death rates as well, because with the extent to which we're trying to prolong life on a very regular basis beyond a person's natural lifespan, in quite a lot of cases, we're going to have vastly large amounts of people in care homes, 
taking up a lot of space, a lot of resources that potentially younger people would be needing more, the people of the future. And then the question becomes, do we preserve the people of the present or do we try to create a better, more sustainable future for those who are inevitably going to be born into it? Yeah, um, I agree with that. That's actually exactly the issue that Japan's facing now with its ageing population. And um, the young youth of the country, they have face a question whereby they, should they support their elderly and the country or should they devote more resources to, them, to themselves? Um, and it seems as though there are some countries with declining populations who are facing the same uh, issue. For example, Italy um, in the EU. And um, another point would just be to mention the idea that as countries, as Abby mentioned before, become more developed, if their populations do begin to decline, is it realistic to say that actually there will come a point where we don't have enough resources or do we have enough resources within the Earth's capacity to facilitate the amount of people that will eventually come into um, the Earth? I, just, I totally see your point, Joe, and the idea that perhaps it's not fertility that we need to be thinking about, but declining death rates. And as a result, we're getting sort of increased ageing populations. However, I think perhaps it might be slightly naive to assume that the world's population is going to sort itself out and remain um, not an issue for society if uncontrolled. However, if you think about, um, for example, I'll, I'll give the example of Nigeria. It's extremely rapidly um, growing in population size. And a lot of people are saying that methods such as family planning might be a uh, necessary measure uh, in order to prevent, for example, population growth um, skyrocketing. Do you guys think that that is a useful measure to impose in countries like Nigeria or other poorer regions of the earth? Or perhaps is that just ethically immoral? Abby? So I think, you know, obviously it's going to be useful and it, it will be um, effective. But it's a case of whether we think it's right. And um, to decide that, you've got to consider the conflicting rights, I suppose. So one right might be um, like a parent's right to uh, procreate and to uh, have as many children as they want. But obviously that conflicts with the rights of everyone else, which is to you know have enough resources to sustain themselves. So you have to kind of decide which is more important and make a compromise there. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a tension between um, the, the benefit or, or the the freedom to the individual versus the state. Um, so certain you know, measures um, are arguably good uh, for society as a whole, but they restrict the, sort of the liberty and the freedom of the individual. And I think this sort of debate is all about you know, which, which do you value more, you know, the progression of society or, or the individual and how much freedom that person has. Well, I think if you take a utilitarian type of viewpoint on this, that perhaps you could justify that things like fertility management and population control are a necessary uh, solution because otherwise society might um, sort of suffer worse in the future. Um, Tom, you had something to say about this. Well, I think that it's more important that we give these uh, we give these developing countries or countries in general a choice and uh, an opportunity to pursue um, contraception and family planning in whatever way possible. So, for example, if you look at um, so if you look at some of the countries with the highest fertility rates, um, they're all Central African, Western African countries like uh, Niger, Mali, uh, Nigeria, Burkina Faso. And if you also look at a graph in terms of availability of contraception, um, all, all these countries uh, fall into the, the lowest category uh, on that uh, graph and map. Uh, so I think it may not be 
people's choice affecting the high fertility rate. I think it, often it's their availability to contraception. But and when we go into these countries, I think it's also important to think about the kind of culture that they have, and instead of imposing things on them, just making things available uh, and allowing them to have that choice. Yeah, I think that's definitely an important point to consider because when you when you think about methods of contraception, you're effectively considering a sort of passive uh, method of population control, whereas something like the China's um, one-child policy would be a more coercive method of um, population control. And like just on that, I think what, what one thing I read which I thought was quite um, distasteful about that was that. Um, you know, because like it was just a, a law, people were still able to break it and they had to pay a fine. But um, the rich people in China were able to see the fine as more of a fee. And I think that's a moral distinction which can be quite um, repugnant, really. I think that's a, use, uh, a useful idea and viewpoint. Um, do you guys think more generally, as you were saying, Abby, that perhaps if population control in some sort was introduced in a country, that if you disobeyed that population uh, control restrictions, for example, if you were in China and you had two babies, is it morally acceptable to um, disobey that sort of that rule, or is that uh, an issue because you're sort of disobeying what the state wants? Well, uh, I think there are a lot of issues with rules, for example, in terms of capping the amount of children you can have at one, uh, especially um, when humans have evolved. Um, for a long, long time, uh, since our genus first evolved two million years ago, to reproduce and have as many children as possible. Uh, so it is very much against the will of human nature. And uh, alongside that, there are there are situations where you know people have, people have twins, and do you keep one, uh, put the other one up for the adoption? Do you put both up for adoption? Uh, yeah. So. An interesting point that you might want to consider on this is um, particularly directed towards developed countries should they impose um, a method of population control that limits um, like the number of children a couple can have to one but allows room for um, immigration because that would allow um, people to still have children but also the population of that country to stay as constant as possible alternatively they could have um, a population control method that allows parents to have two children but then if they wanted to keep the population the same they would have to um, like completely limit um, immigration and restrict that as much as possible so which one do you think is better for a country say the United Kingdom? Well I think it's a very big question you know and um, immigration certainly in the UK is a very controversial matter with all the Brexit debate that's been going on over the last few years I think um, I'm not entirely qualified to statistically address an issue like that, but pertaining back to China and what we were talking about before, I guess the idea of a couple being allowed to have one person is that with each generation you're going to have roughly half the amount of people that were there before. And I think empirically we can just see that's definitely not the case. China's population has not decreased, you know, in that proportion, which you might expect from a goal that they've set out. I think what that goes to show really is that Something like reproduction, even if you introduce contraception, you know, it can go wrong. People aren't always going to be responsible. You've always got influence of alcohol, drugs, just you know, general lack of education on such matters. I think it's such a complicated problem that imposing a law that just says, right, everyone, you get one kid each, like that's not actually going to have a tangible effect on the population at all. Do you perhaps think, however, 
yes, China's population has increased, and it's somewhere like 1.4 billion at the moment, I think. But if they hadn't introduced that China's one-child policy, do you not think they'd be in a far worse off situation than they are currently? And population could be at like 2 billion or something in China. It's certainly a development, but I'm not sure it's a sustainable one that would continue long into the future because people often don't want one child in their family. They want to see their children form brotherly relationships or sisterly relationships. And a lot of cultures will celebrate that and it'll be a rite of passage. I think even more in developing countries and developed ones. That's an interesting point, and I think definitely we've spoken a lot about the ethics and morals of population control. However, I want to move this conversation on slightly further. I want to look at perhaps whether, as a society, as a world, we're even approaching this whole issue with population and resources in the right way. I think, for example, I was listening to Elon Musk speak recently, and he was claiming that SpaceX, which is the company he set up, is incredibly beneficial to society because it is seeking a way to get humans to live on other planets such as Mars. And as a result, this completely reduces the stress and demand that is put on our own planet, um, planet Earth. And perhaps I guess there's a bigger question here about whether what Elon Musk is doing and what other people may do in the future is really a good use of resources, whether perhaps we could be investing more money into something like population control in Nigeria or Democratic Republic of Congo to give some countries. So it's, it's that issue, I guess, between whether we invest in the long term or seek to solve the issues in the short term. Josh, what do you think about that? Um, well, I think that going to Mars, which I think is something Elon Musk has wanted to do for a long time, as much as it sounds like going to another planet doubles our resources, in reality that's really not the case because not only are we going to have to gather the resources and energy and fuel and whatever to get there, and to transport a lot of people there, which is a big, big task. We're going to have to have the resources to make Mars, like, habitable for humans, which it inherently isn't. So we're going to need, like, all sorts of weird air tanks and food sources and whatnot. I think ultimately we're going to be using more resources there than we'll be gaining, like, at least initially. It might be that we develop more, like, kind of clever ways to get things on Mars that we don't have access to here. But it's an incredibly risky procedure and I would advise that we tackle it on a more micro scale, as you say, look into different countries and what's right for them, at least initially, and build towards these bigger projects in the future. Yeah, when you mentioned the sort of micro scale, um, I completely agree with that because um, sort of any sort of green or sustainable movement or push by companies is arguably the most profitable in the future because the future is green and sustainable. Um, so when you walk into a supermarket and you see, um, you know, ecologically or, or, or fairly produced um, um, goods. Um, that, I think that's sort of like evidence that um, there is this sort of green push going on. And if people and the government continue to sort of incentivize and if people want to buy green goods and contribute to sort of like a, a better cause, then I think um, there is a demand for goods which are sustainable. And so that will push um, people's developments towards that sort of green ideology. Another point that I think is uh, quite pressing is that Elon Musk is thinking about colonizing Mars, a different planet, when there are areas on the Earth that haven't been colonized yet. So, for example, Antarctica. There are a sm there's a small there are small groups of scientists working uh, in either end of the poles, but there really isn't anyone there, and there's a lot of space. It's more likely uh, to be habitable than Mars, and it'll be easier to get resources over there. <coughs> there are seventy percent of the Earth's area is ocean, and 
yeah, there are some people that live on yachts, but other than that, there isn't there aren't any colonies uh, in the ocean or underwater. Yeah, I feel like Elon Musk and his sort of claims, he may be sort of over-engineering um, his whole thought process. Because as Tom mentioned, there's so much space um, on the Earth still remaining. I think it seems slightly unnecessary to sort of plan out this entire voyage to a whole different planet when actually there's space just a couple hundred kilometres from where people are living right now. Oh, yeah, I, I agree totally. And I also think another problem with um, what Elon Musk is trying to do is he's um, basically kicking the can down, down the road. He's saying, all right, we're consuming too many resources at the moment. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to Mars, we're going to get more space, and hopefully we're going to find more resources on Mars. Well, it, it begs the question, what are you going to do in the future when you run out of resources on Mars? It's not sustainable to go like planet hopping from one to another. Um, you know, exploiting all the resources and then just leaving. I think you know that sounds quite dystopian and terrible, but it seems like the kind of future that he's envisaging. No, that's an interesting point. However, I think there is one point that I think Elon Musk tries to make, is that eventually, surely the world is going to reach its carrying capacity. There's only an extent to which we can exploit our resources on Earth. And if, for example, we get to that point in society, where do we go from there? Joe? I think it's true that by definition, you know, a lot of the Earth's resources are finite. Um, you know, space, land, um, you know, crops and oil, they're all finite resources. So if the population continues to grow infinitely, there will of course come a point where it's no longer sustainable. But the, I think the question is whether this point will actually come at all, because we discussed it earlier, you know, talking about whether, you know, as countries begin to develop and their, um, the birth rates begin to drop, um, is this point actually going to come or not? And it seems as though we're sort of planning for something that could not happen um, in the future. No, um, actually, I think that's a really great um, point to end it, because we're almost ending it on the uh, first point we were initially making, does population control necessarily pose a issue for society in the future? And as Joe, you were saying, potentially there's an argument that in the future, sort of just by natural forces and sort of demogra demographic transition, we might get to a, a stage in society where population control um, remains uh, a simple enough issue to deal with as opposed to something that's got completely out of hand. However, I mean, this is something we're going to be able to find out not until we look far into the future. But thanks, guys. Thanks for speaking today. Uh, it's been really interesting hearing your viewpoints on this topic, especially looking at the ethics and morality of potentially limiting population. Before we end, a big shout out to Henry and Oscar for leading the editing and sound engineering side of things. And thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please spread the word and tune back in for the next installment of the series. And remember to spare a thought for spare thoughts. Thanks.